0: Thanks for listening to our Faith Church Podcast. Let's listen to today's message. Turn with me to 1 Kings, please. Verse 41. We're in such an amazing season. And we know that revival has already broken. And in in the beginning of revival, sometimes it's hard to see everything that's happening and it's hard to see everything that's going on and sometimes it's hard to feel everything that's going on but I want you to follow me this morning God gave me a word and it's called the sound of the abundance of rain and there is a sound to the abundance of rain you know there's there's rain that just kind of starts coming and and it's gentle, and you begin to feel its move, and that's when you press in. That's that's when you press in every way you can press because this abundance of rain is coming. And so we're going to take this from the life of Elijah. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat, and drink, for is there is the sound of the roar, of an abundance of wine. And the word here for said means commanded. And I want you to think about this prophet. He's standing there in front of one of the most ungodly kings that Israel ever had. And he's looking at him and he's saying, Go on, go up, eat and drink, for there is the roar of the abundance of rain." And where we are living right now, in this season in God, if you turn your ear, you can hear a roar of the abundance of rain. And sometimes it takes a boldness. Sometimes it takes somebody who's going to stand up and command, go on, just go up and eat and drink, because there is the sound of the abundance of rain. And what we don't understand sometimes about this story is Elijah did not tell Ahab, go on back to the castle, go on back to your palace, go on back home. That's not what he was talking about. There a tent had been pitched at the site of Mount Carmel, where Elijah had challenged the prophets of Baal. And so they had pitched a tent for the king so the king could see who was going to win, Baal or Jehovah. And he was in that tent. And he had come to where Elijah was because Elijah was killing the prophets of Baal. And I want you to hear my heart. This is what the Holy Spirit shared with me. There's a point in time in our lives where we begin to hear the sound of the abundance of rain and god begins to tell us there are prophets of baal in our lives there are things that we have fallen down and worship and if not in a way where we can say okay i worship that we may be in church every week but they are the very things that we think are more powerful than god more important than god the very things that give us a divided heart and a divided mind and a divided spirit. And because of where we are in God, please hear me, God has gone to war with those in the lives of every one of us. There's a moment in time where God does a corporate revival. And it's like everybody gets swept up in it. Everybody gets moved into it. But what he's talking to me about is a kind of revival that is an individual revival. Some will, some won't. Some will hear the abundance of rain, and some won't. Ahab watched Elijah by himself, because I I want you to think about what transpired at that moment. When fire fell from heaven, The fire ate up all of the water that had been poured in the troughs, ate up dust, ate up the altar. There was just that consuming kind of fire from the living God that ate up everything. But Ahab's heart didn't change. Because his God wasn't Baal, his God was Jezebel. And sometimes in our lives, people have become our God. Methods have become our God. The way things are done have become our God. And so what happened is even though Elijah killed 400 of the prophets, and I want you to look at what happened to the people of Israel. They watched the fire fall. They watched the water get eaten up. They watched the altar disintegrate, but they didn't change. And when Elijah said, rise up and kill the prophets of Baal, nobody moved. And so what I want you to hear my heart say to you is this is the season where not only are we hearing the abundance of rain, we're hearing the call of separation. We're hearing the call of God dealing with things. We're hearing the call of God saying, come on, move deeper into me than you have ever moved before. Cancel those things in your life that make you divided. Because it's time. For the abundance of rain. So when Elijah saw nobody was standing up, I don't know what overcame the man, and I don't know what it took, but he killed 400 prophets of Baal all by himself. And you realize that the power to destroy that was not Elijah's, but was God's. And I want you to hear me, it, when we get into this way and God begins to identify things in our lives, it's not our power that kills them. It's the living God, the Holy Spirit in us that empowers us to do that. And in this season, God's doing crazy things. He's just doing amazing things that cannot be explained. But I want you to hear me. We've just had something, and that secret I can't tell but we've just had something and I'm going to be telling the church next Sunday. And I stood there and the, the, the magnitude of what just happened when, when it sunk into to my being and I understood that what happened was related to a statement that I made to the church because I heard it come out of my mouth. I realized we have a choice. Please hear me. This can change us as a body, as individuals. It can change us for a wider expectation of the power of God to do the unexplainable. To do something that everybody said was impossible. And it can change us. Hear me. Or we can remain the same and the next time there's a problem, we're back down here trying to get up here. And this is a season with the abundance of rain where God is saying to you, will you let me change you? Those that don't have a Jezebel, those of you that don't have a Baal, what is your expectation for the nature and the power of God? Will you let him change you? The word here for sound is the word the voice. And it's interesting. Elijah uses a Hebrew word talking to Ahab, and he said to him, the rain has a voice. And the rain has a voice. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of the Holy Spirit begins to talk to you in the night seasons. The voice of the Holy Spirit begins to surround you in your cars. The voice of the Holy Spirit begins to surround you in your places. He begins to talk to you more and more about, I want you to go here today. I want you to go there today. I want you to talk to this person today. More and more, he's putting us in positions where we can talk about the power of God, the abundance of rain has a voice. And the word abundance here means the roar, the rush, the great amount. Now, we can wait until the roar is surrounding us. We can wait till the rush is around us. But the exciting thing is to hear it before it comes, call what is not as if it is, and work to pull that thing in. That's an exciting thing to do. We get to partner with the hand of God. And Elijah is looking at a land where it hasn't rained for three and a half years. And we can prove it from later on in this story when he said there is the sound of the abundance of rain. The sun was bright, it was hot, the sky was blue. There were no clouds in the sky. There was no physical indicators except a sound in his spirit. And where we are right now today is I'm asking you, what is the sound in your spirit? what are you hearing? It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter what the news does or does not say. What matters is what does your spirit man hear? And God is wanting us to hear that sound. Since it hadn't rained in three and a half years... Elijah was talking from the heart of God. And where we are right now in this move, we know it started began beginning to happen about three years ago when the Eastern Gate was opened. But it's begun to move. It started up in Maine, and it's starting to move. And so what we can see is that we've got to depend on the nature of God, and that's what Elijah was depending on. Are you ready? He was depending on the love of God, the desire that God has for rain to end drought. And there is a heart of God right now where what he wants to do is end spiritual drought. Sometimes we don't even know that we have it. We don't even know that we're in a drought because if we compare ourselves to everybody else, we're doing just fine. But if we pick up an old book, if we go to RevivalRadio.com, RevivalRadioTV.com, and we listen to the old-timers, We listen to the old camp meetings. We listen to the things they knew. We listen to the things they expected. We listen to the things they saw. We realize we're in a drought. We're in a drought for the supernatural presence of God. We're in a drought for signs, wonders, and miracles. We're in a drought for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that grips us. Shakes us, turns us around, and causes us to understand he did leave us here with the power to rule. So these are some things that God began to talk to me about. Spiritual drought causes the loss of harvest. And one of the things that he's been saying to me is because the teaching several years ago, many years ago, I guess, because I'm just now picking it up in, in some old books, about seed faith. It, the church threw it out. And from what I can gather, the church threw it out because it, re, it just boiled down to money. Now, I want you to hear me. Money may be a product But we've lost all the things that God said about seed faith. We are planting seeds every day of our life. Jesus said to them, I'm going to say to you, you fed me when you saw me hungry. You you gave me clothes when you saw me without. You visited me when I was sick. You visited me when I was in prison." And they will say, we never saw that. And he said, I will say that when you do it unto the least of these, my brethren, you do it unto me. And he took me back to Hebrews 11th chapter, 6th verse. And it says, we have to believe without faith, we cannot please God. And he tells us two things we have to believe. First of all, we have to believe he is. Because if we don't believe he is, everything is just pedantic. But we must believe that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That word is only used there. And it means payer of wages. But there are 34 other verses that have that theme. And so we realize that what he's saying to us is when we plant a seed, when we go pray for somebody, when we feed them, when we clothe them, he said to us, we plant seeds when we pray. What does he say? You pray in private and God rewards you openly. Begin to go through the word and look at the things that he says there's a reward for. And then take those words And see them as little seeds. And you're planting them in the ground every time you do them. But when there is a spiritual drought, we lose the harvest of everything we've planted. And so what happens to us is then we begin to lose hope. Listen to me. We then just begin to do things to the people we like. We don't see it as the broader seeding of fields. And because I grew up in farm country, God said to me, what does a farmer do when he plants a field? Now, if you've never lived in that part of the country, you don't know that it not only is planting the seed and caring for the seed and caring for the ground, But they have to go back and they have to make sure their silos are cleared out from the grain last year. They have to make sure that their hayloft is ready for a bunch more hay. They have to make sure that their wheat silos are ready to hold the grain. Because you see, If you're holding on, oh, please hear me. If you're holding on to last year's bread because you're afraid you're not going to get any more, you will not have the capacity for the new bread. And sometimes we act like what we get from God is all we're going to get for our whole lives. And we don't give it out. We don't share it. Some of you have words that God's given you. Some of you have verses that God's given you and has said to you, you know, you need to give this. You need to share this. But you're holding it. And you're not doing it. And if your barns aren't cleared out, you won't have room for the new. And that will kill a harvest. Next thing he said to me is, have you ever seen a farmer that planted a field that never checked on the, the field to see was it ready to harvest? And what that is, is expectancy. Expectancy. And so how that works for us in a spiritual sense and protects the harvest is we're saying to God, God, I've planted these seeds. Now I'm expecting a harvest. It changes the way we pray. It changes the way we think. It changes our, our whole capacity for expectancy. And that changes the harvest. Spiritual drought causes a longing and a painful searching for what we desire, we're always looking for something. And we're looking everywhere, but we're not satisfied. And so when you find yourself in your own spirit man, hunting for something, you, you, you're not satisfied. Think about what you do. You, hunt, you go to everything else. Because we don't realize that it's the power of the life of God that will bring the satisfaction. And part of that reason is because we've lost our harvest. Come on. We've been in drought and we've lost our harvest. And I want you to hear me. The abundance of rain is so loud that you can hear it roaring all the time. And we've got to start preparing ourselves. We've got to start preparing our expectations. Not only do we make sure that there isn't a person or a thing more important than God, we've got to make sure that we have an attitude that says, God, I know I've got a harvest. God, I know what you've done. I know what I've done. I know you're faithful to your word. My life has not been in vain. I've done these things, but now I'm expecting a return for the things I've done. It's a partnership with God. And sometimes we forget to pull. A spiritual drought causes us to be all stirred up and hot in a negative way inside us. Now, I don't know what life is here, but I can tell you what life is on Long Island. Everybody has gone crazy. (laughs) It used to be that if you were a fraction behind a green light, they honked at you. Yeah, not anymore. Now, they honk at you as they make unsafe passes around you. Everybody's yelling at everybody. Everybody's so mad they don't know what to do. There's just a stirring up inside. That's when there's a spiritual drought. And one of our young women got up a couple of weeks ago, and she followed me behind before I walked on the platform. She tapped me, and she said, I've never done this before, but I think I have a word. And I had her give it. And part of the word was this God said he was pulling a move of peace, a move of prosperity. And not just money. We think all the time prosperity boils down to money. Listen, it boils down to us being a prosperous person in our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirits. A prosperous person in our homes, and in our relationships. And I have counted on that word. I've been praying that word back. I've been praying that for different people. I just did it last night for one of our pastors. God, you're pulling in a move of peace. Surround this situation with peace. You see, in spiritual drought, we don't even realize it, but we lost our peace. We've lost our center. We can't get to that point where no matter what's going on around us, we just pull ourselves in and we hunt the peace of God. Drought destroys that peace. And I ask you, how many things in your life have you all stirred up? How many things in your present situation have you all hot and bothered? How many things that you're going through right now, do you find it so hard to turn around and say, Jesus, I need you in this situation. Jesus, I need your answers. Jesus, I need your wisdom. Jesus, I need you to come in. And he's saying to us, I want to end spiritual drought. I want to restore your peace. The next thing is spiritual drought causes us to long for the past days where miracles were common and refreshing was easy to find. But all we do is long for it. We've lost faith for it. We've lost faith that it's going to happen here. There'll be a day, not long from now, when this room will be full of people. It'll be full of people, not just on Sunday morning, but it'll be full of people several nights a week, if not every night a week. The reason is going to be that there's going to be everything people are longing for to say that God is alive. You know, I I was listening to someone and I have a gentleman in the church that listens to everything and is filled with everything. And he said to me, this has all been decided, this has all been determined, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this this group of people is in total control. And I, I looked at him, and I said, but God. And it was like... I picked up a bucket of cold water and threw it. And he was kind of silent a minute, and he said, no, you don't understand. This is done, and that's done, and this is this, and that's that. And I said, "Um, yeah, until God tears it up. It wasn't a week later that Asbury broke out and started spreading from church to church to school. Mostly at schools right now. And I have a friend that's a youth pastor in Providence. And he called me. He was so excited. He said, you're not going to believe what happened today. He said, a Baptist school, elementary school, really strong Baptist, had a chapel service. And a young nine-year-old girl answered the altar call at the end of the chapel service. And she was just crying out, there has to be more. Now, she's nine. There has to be more. There has to be more. There has to be more. There has to be power of God. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And she wouldn't leave the altar, and she just was pulling for everything she had. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, it gets better. She wanted everybody to have what she had. So she ran from student to student, left in the chapel, praying for them, and a massive amount of kids got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The teachers don't know what to do. The parents really don't know what to do. And the pastors are bumfuddled. But you see, these kids were met by God at a place you would think they would be insulated away from it. Wow. And when you look at the way things were orchestrated, the movie, Jesus' Revolution, opened right there at, the, at when uh, Asbury began to come to the surface. But that movie was started four years before COVID. Had one snag after the next snag after the next snag. Then COVID happened. Then it took a while to get it back on the grid. And then it was made, finished and out. Do you not think that the God who can arrange a movie release cannot tear up agendas? And that movie release was released right when everybody was talking about Asbury. Now, the reason that's so significant to me is the revival that the whole movie is about started from a two-week meeting in Asbury. Now, a year before the collegiate conference of schools declared that they were going to meet for prayer for schools, for a move of of God in the schools, and they were sending representatives from all over. It was decided a year before. Guess where they met? Asbury. And they were all surrounded in the move that was happening in Asbury. As a result, it sparked prayer meetings in every one of the major colleges. Believe it or not, Yale's got one, Harvard's got one, Brown's got one. You see, Satan can plan all he wants. And then God steps in. Satan had Israel on the ropes. Israel was so ungodly. And then God brings this crazy prophet who had all this rough clothing to believe God for the abundance of rain and the destruction of Baal. Spiritual droughts, causes us to feel dead in every area of our life. But spiritual drought sucks the hope and the faith and the expectation of good right out of us. I ask you, you pray for something, but how much do you expect something? You see, very often we get what we expect. And God is saying spiritual drought has lowered your expectation. One of the things when you watch revival radio TV and you watch the services and you listen to the preachers and you watch what's going on in the services, the thing that you will come away with is that they had the biggest expectation ever. And that expectation was always met. God always came through for their expectation. Spiritual drought causes us to lose the next generation. Because the next generation is wanting to see the power of God. The next generation is wanting to see the reality of God. The next generation is tired of religious mechanisms. And they just want reality. That's all they want. And we've got to pray that in. Right now, listen, I don't know how to explain it to you. You, you look around you. you. You look to the right. You look to the left. You look in front of you. You look behind you. There are all these little pockets where things are, are beginning to kind of pick their head up where you begin to hear, this happened here, and that happened there. You've got to draw excitement for revival from the stories. And you've got to say, God, if you'll do that in a Baptist school in Providence, you'll do that in a Baptist school in Rochester. If God, if you'll do that in Asbury and you'll do it in Baylor, and you'll do it in Lee, because it's still going on in those places. If you're saying to him, God, we've got colleges here. They're so cold. They're so dead. But listen, God moves in. It just started from one young man in Asbury that stayed at the altar after a very simple message on the love of God. And he just stayed. And some of them went to lunch. And then they just felt pulled back to the chapel. It didn't start huge. And then it built and it built and it built. We've got to start saying, I hear the abundance of the sound of rain. And spiritual drought takes our strength and stops us from dreaming dreams and having visions. Ask yourself, when was the last time you had a dream? When was the last time you had a vision? When was the last time you expected God to do something for you that you never thought possible? So Ahab went up to eat and to drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he crouched down to the earth and put his face between his knees. Now, Rob, I can't embarrass you, so come on. (laughs) I want you to just get down on your knees And I just want you to put your head between your knees. Now, I want you to see this position. I didn't do that just to bother him. You see, in this position, he can't see anything. Come on. In this position... He's concentrating totally on what he's doing, and he doesn't hear anything. And in this position, you're in a birthing position. And he got on his face, he got on his knees, he crouched down like that. And look at what he said. And he said to his servant, go up and look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And Elijah said, go back seven times. So I want you to see what happens. Elijah didn't say to him, go and stay by the sea. He said, I want you to run down the mountain. I want you to go to the sea. I want you to then turn around and run back up the mountain and tell me what you see. But, oh, by the way, there's going to be seven trips. Now, he could have just said to the the servant, okay, look, there's going to be a little while, but, you know, go on down and wait. No, it was go down, run up, go down, run up, go down, run up. Because, you see, Elijah was pushing here but hear me the servant was pushing in the running he was running with expectancy he was coming back and giving a report now he did this seven times on top of the one time so that means that he made the trip eight times Do you know what eight is the number for? New beginnings. And Elijah is saying, I know we're going to have a new beginning. I knew things are going to change. And listen, with revival, it's a new beginning. It's a new beginning for every aspect of your life. And Elijah never got out of this position. He didn't want to see the blue skies. He didn't want to hear the voices of people. He didn't want to hear anything. He just wanted to connect with God. And I ask you, how many times do you stay put to stay connected with God over a situation, over a problem? More and more I'm saying to people, you need to go and get an answer from God. You see, the church has for so long, oh please hear me, wanted to go to a person for an answer. We have more self-help groups in the church. We have more pastors preaching self-help messages than ever before. But you've got to go to God and you've got to get your answer. But at the same time, you have to run with expectancy. You have to run expecting a good report. You have to run expecting a new new beginning. You have to run through whatever happens. I, I want you to hear me. He had to run down the mountain. He had to run up the mountain. He had to run down the mountain. He had to run up the mountain. It wasn't a casual hunt for the things of God. Now we get to verse 44. And the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the rain shower doesn't stop you. Okay, come on. (laughs) Now, in the Hebrew... The servant didn't say, it's the size of a man's hand from here to here. The Hebrew phrase is the palm of a man's hand. He's looking at something this small coming up out of the sea. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. And all he sees is this size of a cloud. And he comes to Elijah on the seventh time up. And he says, look, I know you thought there'd be something for me to report at the end of this trip. I don't know how to break it to you, but this is all there is. That's all there is. And Elijah said, Go tell Ahab, get in his chariot and drive for Jezreel, or he's going to get soaked from a cloud this size. You see, when you have been in this position and you see something like this, you don't see that. You see the, the whole fulfillment of the sound. Now, I want you to hear what the servant said. He said, there's a little cloud. And the word little here in the Hebrew means There's an insignificant cloud. There's an unimportant cloud. And the word here for hand is the word palm. And he said, that's all there is. There's an insignificant, unimportant cloud the size of the palm of a man's hand. Now listen, you can look at Asbury. You can look at Baylor. You can look at Lee. You can look at the way they've all been shut down to students only. And you can say, oh, that's insignificant. Oh, that's small. Oh, that's not going anywhere. Or you can stand up and say, I've heard the sound of the abundance of wine. And this is starting a deluge. And in the King James, he said to Ahab, get in your chariot and don't stop. And the word actually means don't detain. Because this is what Elijah is expecting. When it starts like this, it doesn't take long until it's an absolute deluge. And in a little while, the sky drew dark with clouds and wind, and there were heavy showers. And Ahab mounted and rode his chariot and went inland to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, giving him supernatural strength. And he girded up his loins, and he outran Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, we read those words, but if we don't know that from where Elijah was and where a Jezreel was, was 20 miles. And the hand of God rested on Elijah. And king's chariots were hitched between six and eight horses. Can you imagine the speed of six or eight horses running at top speed because the driver was driving them as fast as they could go? Can you imagine what Ahab must have thought when here's Elijah running by the chariot? See ya. (laughs) He must have been more shocked at that than he was the pouring rain. So what I want you to hear me say this morning is that when it starts to rain, expect the hand of God to rest on you for supernatural strength, supernatural energy, and for the flow of the supernatural to come out of your life. But hear me. If you had not been in the crouching position, if you had not been in the belief to send a servant to check for the cloud, if you have not seen a cloud the, the size of the palm of a man's hand and called it out for what it is yes. and been practicing using the power of God, When the hand of God comes on you, it's going to be a sputtering start. You're going to be fighting all kinds of, do you think he'll do it? Could he? Maybe? Might have? What if? We're going to be afraid to step out. And for a long time, I've heard the sound of the abundance of rain. And I've been training our church to do it now. Because if you do it now, when the abundance of rain comes, it's easy for you. It's like the breathing in and the breathing out. There's an expectancy. I'm going to lay hands on people. They're going to be healed. I'm going to lay hands on people. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to lay hands on people. Demons are going to leave. I'm going to pray, and supernatural things that are ununderstandable are going to happen. I'm going to be able to hear the sound of the voice of God, and I'm going to make things just statements. And sometimes I made a statement. I made it about two months ago. I said, God's not going to expose something he doesn't pay for. The bill was large. And people came to me and said, you shouldn't, you shouldn't raise people's hopes like this. You know how long it's going to take us to get to this point? But you see, I heard a sound. Hallelujah. I heard a sound. And we've got to start calling things that are not as if they are now so that when the abundance of rain comes, we're not caught just dancing in the rain. We're going to know what to do and we're going to move fast and we're going to move hard and we're going to watch the lives of people change because we were able to get in that position, sending out a cry, check the sea, and then we're going to be ready for the hand of God. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.